Today on Listen Up Local, we are shining a spotlight on Maker House and the 200 plus makers who call it home. It is a collaborative of all things creative in Hintonburg and Wellington West, and their leader has been described as a deal broker of makers. We are chatting with the ever clever owner and founder of Maker House, Gareth Davies. So hello and welcome to the podcast, Gareth. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so am I. Glad to have you. Uh, We'll start off. That moniker is pretty awesome. A deal broker of makers. Tell me what that's all about. <laughs> not 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 uh, self uh, stated, but I, I guess I'll take it as a, a positive. Just relates to the roots and the model of our business, Maker House. We started uh, in twenty fifteen as a pop up shop. Um, the mission is to t- to bring maker the the maker movement and, and maker handmade goods, you know, Canadian made goods, and bring that maker movement to Main Street in Ottawa. We started with 30 makers, grew to 50, and now we're up to over 200 different makers across Canada. And that's a focus on homewares and furniture. A lot of people buy gifts at our store because they are practical, functional items. We've expanded into you know, food and drink, apparel, bath and body, kids, toys. So if it's uh, made in Canada, we take a good look at whether it fits into our mix. Uh, the deal broker side, I mean, we run our model like a, a traditional retail store for the most part. We purchase items at wholesale and we are trying to just grow the uh, the audience for handmade goods and connect the growing demand to the growing supply, I guess. We have done some really cool collaborations throughout the years as well, uh, where we work uh, in partnership with makers like Grow Studios, which is a local nonprofit social enterprise to produce uh, some wooden wares, furniture, or uh, more recently, uh, you know, a folding leather stool we produced with a leather worker and we did the woodworking side of it. So it's really fun to, um, to be at the heart of this movement. Well, it has to be one of my favorite stores in the city just to walk into uh, and see what's new because it's just a, it's such a refreshing space. But I'm sure like so many businesses, particularly during this situation with COVID-19, that you're having to make some pretty tough decisions. And on this podcast in the past, we've talked about that dynamic between, you know, fight or flight, the difference between a business owner choosing to close down versus, you know, deciding to kind of perhaps pivot their business model and hopefully finding new and creative ways to offer products and services. And I'm curious to hear, you know, how Maker House and you have, uh, have decided to weather this storm. That's a good question. It's a good way to put it. I've thought of, fight or flight a lot myself, especially early on uh, when you're making those big decisions and faced with this crushing change to the retail landscape, the world really, to the, the way we live. Mm-hmm. So we decided to close our doors on uh, March 15th and it was a week before it was mandated. We were pretty early on it, but we were following the lead of a few other leading local businesses. A few of them were restaurants. I think that makes sense. And, and the, what they had been hearing from public health and seeing in their businesses and seeing with us that weekend before we we closed was busy. We were told to social distance. We put messaging out that we were we had changed, you know, our protocols and if we can all distance, we can make this work. But we knew it wasn't safe after that weekend. So we decided like, okay, we, we need to lead and listen to public health. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, that's a bit of flight, I suppose, but hopefully well thought out and then thankfully we have a great website how can we pivot to keep serving our customers or early on we were able to do 
uh, pickups at the door, which uh, obviously is known as curbside pickup. Everybody knows curbside pickup. One of those words in our in our new dictionary, along with bubble and um, mm-hmm. so many other COVID-related so many words. Yeah. Self-isolation. Uh, ice, isolation is a big one. Yeah. So we uh, were able to do that, but that actually got mandated out pretty quickly as well. We were told not to do that anymore. At that point, we had a decision to either just let our shipping orders take over or get creative on bringing orders to customers through local delivery. And that was a game-changing decision for us. I kind of, again, followed the lead of other like leading local businesses. I've long looked to the craft brewery uh, industry uh, because they are ahead of the curve in business in so many ways. And they were doing free local delivery. And we basically did the same thing with a minimum order of $49. And what happened was quite remarkable. Our sales for April were actually, so we started this on March 25th. Our sales for April, uh, and I'm, I feel guilty saying this because I know what so many businesses have gone through, but we were up over last April. Uh, I was working 25 plus hours a week just as a delivery driver. And of course, that wasn't part of my normal, you know, more than full-time weeks previously, but you do what you have to do. And uh, thankfully, the orders were there. The support was there. Uh, I was delivering, you know, from Orleans to Canada, down to Barhaven. My wife and my young son at home, uh, she's been amazingly supportive. Uh, I would have some days I was out, you know, 10, 12 hours. uh, And eventually, we evened it out. I was out four days a week for a little bit less. Uh, and then eventually, because it seemed to sustain, we we brought a courier into the mix. Uh, Deliver Local is the delivery company, uh, also known as Ottawa Moving and Delivery. They also pivoted in, into in this time, and they were really um, they actually reached out and got on our radar, and they became critical partners to facilitate deliveries at peak Mother's Day time in you know early May when uh, we had built this up, and and I had our two leading staff. Uh, in-store supporting this as well, obviously fulfilling, picking and packing these orders, hundreds and hundreds of orders, like a typical week would be 200, but Mother's Day week, uh, right before we were in like probably the 400 range for like just deliveries, uh, which is again, mind boggling. Now our May was up um, at Mother's Day significantly after Mother's Day, it dropped back off and we ended up pretty flat in May, like down slightly. Again, that's a big win when the world is uh, in isolation. We pivoted uh, in late May after, I guess, a 10 to 12 weeks of doing uh, free delivery. We pivoted to opening curbside pickup up again because that was, again, allowed more changes to uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, that was a positive change. And so curbside opened up and we started charging uh, $5 for local delivery. Uh, so the volume reduced on the delivery side, increased on the curbside pickup side, which is obviously quite a bit easier for us to facilitate. And so I've kind of given you the, uh, you know, yeah. ups and downs so far. In March, we were down, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, to be expected when you're just uh, adjusting. But yeah, like I said, April was uh, up, May was pretty flat. And so far in June, we're down uh, a little bit, but not too bad. Yeah. Well, the lessons learned as a business owner, one of them, I remember my first uh, boss ever saying, don't ever say it's not in your job description. And as a small business <laughs> owner myself, uh, I can certainly relate uh, to doing uh, activities that are uh, totally out of the ordinary. 
I'm interested in hearing, you know, there is a sense out there now that the economy is beginning to open. We're entering phase two of the provincial government's uh, plans on, on reopening things. And I'm just curious to hear, do you see any changes or lessons learned during uh, this pandemic uh, that might apply to your business moving forward, things you might do differently or, or, or just observations you have around uh, how things will change uh, moving forward for you? I love this question because uh, since the beginning, we've been asking as a society, like, okay, we get a chance to slow down and everybody's in this together. It's global, really unprecedented in the sense of like, it's a pause button on the the daily grind, the the rat race. And it's like, oh man, I hope we can come out of this with some big changes, like actually address some of the systemic issues. I think that's different than your question, of course, but that is something I've been thinking quite a lot about. And uh, and I'd love to just comment that I think the whole in this together element that we we really have learned everybody's health relates to our health. And um, the more we can help provide a, a social safety net and a thriving community for others, it's going to provide a better, safer community for us as well. And I think that applies so many ways, even to the, you know, anti-racism protests happening now and in countless other things. So I really hope that continues in terms of business changes. There are definitely things we've, we've done that uh, maybe short term, you know, like closing our doors completely. But as we, uh, we reopen we're we're probably going to be doing appointment based shopping. We're currently towards the final stages of getting our store ready, changing the, the flow of traffic completely. Uh, Obviously putting up plexiglass. That's another thing that, Every is universal. Uh, all of a sudden, nobody thought of that three months ago. We're going to have, um, you know, all these short-term measures of, of masks and sanitization. Some of the things, though, I feel will last beyond COVID. Certainly, curbside pickup. We were doing a sort of a click and collect before in-store pickup. It was a small trickle of volume. And I, I sense that that will, it's not going to just be a switch that's turned off. Throughout this year, I think it's going to be huge. I think we are anticipating that either making or breaking our year by offering that or not, and even how we offer it, what hours it's available, what's the experience like for people? Is it clear how to complete the purchase? So that will continue. The delivery, I'm not sure. We'll see how the volume is. I really hope so, because I mentioned our partners that we're working with were super happy uh, with uh, that collaboration, that relationship. The delivery company we're working with actually is doing Wu Tang's deliveries. <laughs> so, Wu, Wu, Wu Tang in Ottawa is another random COVID change. That I mean, I would love for that that uh, relationship to continue if they want to continue being part of our community. But they raised a bunch of money for the Ottawa Food Bank. Then they started their own Thirty Six Chambers campaign with their. I think that's a nonprofit that they run, and they're printing. Ottawa, Ottawa Wu-Tang t-shirts and they're selling hand sanitizer and they're actually being printed by the, the sister company of our delivery company and being delivered in a truck with our logo and Wu-Tang's logo on the side of this truck. Oh, so that's so cool. A bucket list item I didn't even know I had. Oh, there uh, you go. I so, have to say too, I know a good uh, friend of mine, uh, Adam Miron, was at the center of that uh, Wu-Tang uh, uh, initiative here in Ottawa. He so was. It's, it's yeah. a small city after all. He sparked the whole thing. He, uh, yeah, he, he's brought a lot of good into our city, like financial support through a, through a tweet. So um, and I'm not a big Twitter fan, but you got to give credit there. Yeah, um, I agree. Yep. 
One of the biggest changes we've made that has it's grown uh, something we did before into a, a bigger offering for us is getting into gift boxes and specifically uh, gift boxes that are shippable across Canada. This came into effect through Mother's Day. So we made gift boxes for the first time, believe it or not, just last Christmas. We have over 200 makers in our store. We can curate things into little boxes from, again, multiple different makers. So we, we ended up selling like actually a few hundred of these Mother's Day curated gift boxes. And we were writing the cards for people because they actually they couldn't physically, you know, get the gift in time to write the card and send it. We were just doing it all for them. So we actually got to connect with how they were wishing Happy Mother's Day through this kind of painful Mother's Day this year with the isolation in effect. But we were providing that connection for them. And it was a way that we could pivot what we did before to provide value in the context of COVID. And I think that will continue. Hopefully we want to stay more connected and and we recognize the importance of that even more so after this experience. Well, this is a lesson for all of us is the importance of being connected and really the perils uh, for that matter of, of being isolated. And there that that's at the top of everyone's mind, an issue that has been around of course, for, for many, many years, but uh, is at the forefront for the first time and rightfully so, particularly given as you say, whether it's mothers or even for that matter, seniors who, who find themselves in uh, precarious situations and, and don't have anyone in their lives. And so to bring a little joy into their lives is, uh, is eminently important and something we should all strive to do. Yeah, well said. You know, so, something that I, I love asking and hearing what people uh, share on, on this question, only because for all of the, the, the difficulty and even tragedy that people have uh, experienced through this pandemic, there have been these silver linings. And I'm curious if there are some things that you've seen, uh, perhaps in the broader community, that, uh, uh, that has kind of been insightful or just a, a moment of pause and, and, and positive reflection for you uh, since uh, this pandemic began. Does anything stick out to you from that perspective? Absolutely. Yeah, quite a few community collaborations and, and like, really, it's like a startup uh, boom for our, our nonprofit or community organization sector in Ottawa. Uh, you see organizations like Eco Equitable doing uh, crowdfunding so that they can make headbands supporting healthcare workers that you know are wearing masks mm-hmm. that hurt their ears. We so actually let me back this up. We have a program at Maker House called Craft Change. Mm-hmm. And so since the beginning, when we started five years ago, we donate 2% of our gross revenue to a different nonprofit each quarter. And we pick a new partner that we want to work with, get to know, collaborate and cross promote. So thankfully, we've we've been, uh, you know, growing our revenue. So that money, that amount grows each year. And we've donated around, I think, 100,000. Now we're coming up on that. We'll have to do a celebration when that, that happens partners like Parkdale Food Center, the Ottawa Tool Library. Uh, and we also work with, it doesn't have to be a formal nonprofit, Hijinks, the uh, social enterprise store. It's an antique store, but they're really a drop-in center for neighbors around center town and downtown who are homeless or low income and need anything from food to advice on navigating you know, the system. So we work with partners like this where we, we essentially feel it. it's a, we're our version of a social enterprise. 
diverting revenue from our business into the community. So craft change got a, a revamp when COVID hit, it seemed like, okay, this is what that program was made for. So how can we, how can we pivot craft change our kind of corporate social enterprise or social responsibility program? So we looked at the next six months, you know, two quarters down the road, what would we have given last year? And it was around 10,000. We upped that to 15,000 and said, instead of waiting for those quarters to end and then donating what we, you know, 2% of what we sold, we're just, we're just going to allocate that money and start giving it out, not to one organization or two organizations, but to split it up to all of these community collaborations. I felt like that was the right thing to do with craft change when it's not about just the Salvation Army carrying us through this thing or sheltering us in a school gym or whatever. It's about small, remote community collaborations. So uh, a couple that come to mind and we've donated to are Project Ramsia, which is uh, food delivery and food prep and delivery for uh, primarily seniors. But I think that project blew up to a much broader group that they're serving. And that was started by, I believe, the owners of the Waverly Restaurant. Mm -hmm. Another food related. uh, Yeah, it's incredible, like, you know, tens of thousands of meals through these programs and and restaurants that are not even able to operate uh, and and sell their products. It's, it's incredibly inspiring. Another one that came out of um, coconut lagoon restaurant and they started working with other restaurants like North and Navy is called food for thought. And that was actually started last year by the owners of coconut lagoon, but it got expanded during COVID and and hyper-focused on just food insecurity, food delivery. And again, over 20,000 meals went by the time we had made our contribution to them, they were already at that mark. And, and we're not making like game changing contributions. It's 500, a thousand, $1,500 here and there. But a, a big part of this is spotlighting these for our customers as well. So they know what's going on in the community. That's a role we play with our, our platform is uh, we've always been more than a store. We want to connect people to other people into what's happening in the, the community. So the last food based one I'll mention is, Parkdale Food Center has an incredibly innovative model where they're working with restaurants who are able to bring their staff back because Parkdale is paying them for healthy food that can be prepared, delivered, often frozen for meals later on and delivered now through over 24 organizations. It started with just Parkdale, maybe Somerset West Community Health Center and a few other ones around the city like Dalhousie. And, and it's really grown into now 24 organizations that are leveraging cooking. It's called cooking for a cause and picking up food directly from these restaurants. So Somerset West might do a van run that picks up food at time and again, and also Marcy's place or red apron. And again, there's many more restaurants, Arlington five Wellington gastropub, and they're providing it's free to these organizations, or maybe there's a nominal, fee paid through Parkdale or the funders, I think Community Foundation of Ottawa is involved. Just incredibly innovative, solving multiple problems on the food insecurity side for vulnerable members of our community. Parkdale actually fulfilling their mission that way and restaurants hiring workers back to do this. It makes you think again, could this continue? So it'd be very interesting to see if that has a place, that kind of collaboration in the post COVID world. Well, uh, both the, 
interesting and inspiring. I, I have to say, Gareth, not only are you a, an exceptional business leader, but clearly a, a community leader as well. And, and Ottawa is much, much stronger for having you and, and Maker House here. And I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Uh, it was great to meet you. Everyone here at Rise Up Strategies is a huge fan of Maker House. We all shop there. We always love to go and, and see uh, the cool stuff that's available. Thank and you. I can't wait to be back in that store in, in the weeks and months ahead. So thank you so much again. You can find Gareth and the rest of the Merry Makers at Maker House located at 987 Wellington Street West and online at makerhouse.com. Thanks for having me, Adam. So great to be here. <laughs>